All right, good morning, Westerlo Baptist Church. I want to tell you something I have heard about you for so long. I worked for Terry Jones and Hannah for nine years, and it's like Westerlo Baptist, of course. That's the only church around, you know. Uh, what a joy to be here, and what a joy to see you guys. This is really, really a thrill and an honor to be here. I also work with Pastor Don Lyons, one of the great men of God of our age, and uh, a joy to work with him and, and to know that he pastored here for 27 years. Am I right there? Yeah? Fantastic. Well, great to, great to be with you this morning. Happy Memorial Day weekend. And... Uh, Let's get right into it. I usually preach for two hours at a time, but I was told I'm going to have to cut it back to an hour and a half. So uh, I'm not used to that. But... All right. I'm not used to these things either, but I think that's going to work. All right. So um, it's a privilege to work at the Capital City Rescue Mission. I oftentimes, when I uh, talk about the mission, I, 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 I tell people I'm living in a miracle and working in a miracle. People come up to me, and you've heard it. People have said it to you. Boy, I wish I was around when Jesus was here. Hey, dude, there ain't nothing like uh, working at the Capital City Rescue Mission now because it's miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And the miracles are lives being changed. We had a young man walk into uh, the mission one day, drunk as a skunk, and that's how they often... Uh, times start their stay with us, drugs, alcohol, uh, you know, w- whatever. And young Eric, he, he was coming back day after day, drunk every day, uh, filthy, living under a bridge, a young man, 25, 26 years old, and finally drew our attention that th- th- this guy, something's going on. He's just not the average homeless guy. And so we got talking with Eric and uh, uh, and, and Eric, in, in one of the services, invited Christ into his heart. And we got to know him and talking with him. He heard his story, and he had served uh, three tours, one in Iraq and two in Afghanistan. And when Eric came back, he was suffering from one of the syndromes that many of our soldiers suffer from. But when he went to the VA, they didn't have him on record, and they couldn't service him. And the family tried, and everyone tried, and... There was no way. He wasn't on record as a soldier. He wasn't, and so he decided to medicate himself because of his pain and his heartache. Well, I'll tell you, when Jesus comes into our life, can he do a wonderful work or what? I'm telling you, I was a drunk and a druggie at age 28 and invited Jesus in my heart. Boom, just like that. Three months later, I was, I was just a different man. Jesus, Jesus just started something all over again. As in Bible college within two years. But young Eric, he, he got the word of God in him. And he just, he just started getting excited. The alcohol took what went. And, and, and the drugs went. And, and Eric was always, he jumped. I, I managed the team that keeps the place clean. And he jumped on my team. And he was just the greatest worker. And to make a long story short, he became an RA. One of our guys at the desk. And uh, uh, caring for some of the homeless people. Uh, um, and, and he just kept growing and growing and wanting more. He'd come into my office and say, Matt, tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more about Jesus. And today he's, uh, he's received a full scholarship now, I believe, to Albany Med Nursing School. And uh, Eric is going to uh, do a great job. Loves Jesus. And Jesus took him and transformed 
his life, as he'll do for anybody that, that comes to him. It's Memorial Day, and uh, Eric, Eric was a soldier, and we not only want to remember ours, those that gave the ultimate price, but many that, that came back. Some came back beat up. Some came back sick. Some came back healthy. And this goes all the way back from Revolutionary War right to the war, to, right, right to the war that we're facing today. But I want to tell you a story of just one other memorable experience. And as we think of Memorial Day, I, I, I started, started the church in Albany back about uh, 26 years ago. And uh, we were knocking on doors and we, we started from scratch. And um, it was just the way, the way it was. God had called me to be a church planter. And I, I was introduced to another pastor by the name of Troy Ezernek. And Troy also was a church planter down in Pennsylvania. And when we met, we clicked. Boom, man, right away. It was like, it was like we had been friends for all of our life. And uh, Troy, he would have conferences at his church. We'd, we'd rent buses and we'd take our group down. And we'd have conferences and he would come up. Just a great man of God. A great, great guy. He's 27 years old. I was 40 when I started pastoring. But I just loved this guy. And uh, Troy, just, Troy had some real problems in the ministry. And it, it became quite apparent that pastoring was not what Troy needed to be doing. And uh, the Lord moved him on out and Troy joined the army. And he figured, you know, if I can't serve as a pastor, I'm going to join the army. And he, he signed up in the army, went to boot camp, and uh, went to Afghanistan. And Troy's one of the sadder stories that we'll remember on this holiday. But Troy was killed shortly after as a 33-year-old young man in Afghanistan, defending our rights so that you and I can have what we have today. And how many of us today would would say, and we all should say it, but we're, we're willing. We're more than willing to give our lives for what God has given us in this great nation. So have a wonderful Memorial Day. Um, let's really remember those that have gone before us. And, uh, but I want to talk about another area of memory. Because Jesus also said that he's interested in being remembered too. Remember at the Lord's Supper, he raised the cup and the bread, and he said, and do this in remembrance of me. And he also would give his life, wouldn't he? And in John chapter 15, Jesus takes us somewhere. He's just about, in, in John 15, the Lord is, and I'm going to get this straight before long, I promise you. <laughs> Holy smokes. All right. I really don't need it, but I'm going to wear it. I'm just one of those obedient type of guys, you know? <laughs> All right, so in John chapter 15, Jesus is getting ready. He's, he's heading, now he's heading, he's heading to Jerusalem. He's heading to Calvary. And he's been with the disciples for a good long while, and he's been teaching them all along. And uh, he, he, he gets to John chapter 15, and, and he brings them. I don't know where they are. They're not in the garden yet. But it's a sobering time because the words that Jesus has to say, he, he really he pours it out. It's very, very Im impactful. And I want to just, I'm going to read out of the King James, so just listen. If, if you don't have King James with you, uh, it gets confusing when we listen to two different versions. But in John chapter 15, Jesus begins, 
And he says this. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is a husbandman. Now, you know, I know if you're anything like me, we read over Scripture more than we read into Scripture. You know? But here's another one of those spots where Jesus looks out and he says, I am. He says it all through his life. He says it in the Old Testament. He says it in the New Testament. And here he says, I'm the vine. With Moses, he says, I am the I am. He tells us he's the way. He tells us he's the truth. He's the the life. He calls him, he says, I'm the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I'm the alpha and the omega. Boy, do we serve a wonderful God. I mean, Jesus, my. You know, he, he's, he pours, he, he's not holding it back. He, he lets us know who he is over and over again. But he says, I am the true vine and my father is the husband. And now it's interesting, Jesus does this numbers of times. He takes us into an agricultural example. And, and, and he uses the vine in a number of other sermons too. But in this time, he says, I am the vine and my father's the husbandman. And every, in verse 2, he says, and every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it might bring forth more fruit. Now, a vine, you know, growing grapes is something I've always done since I was a kid. I've lived in four or five different places. Uh, uh, one of the first things we do is we go out and we plant grapes. And it's not to make wine. We just, we like, we like, to, we like to watch gra- grapes grow. We, like, we, we just, grapes are a wonderful, wonderful vine. And so I know a lot about them because I've, I've cared for them over the years. And one of the things we do with grapes is when we plant them, is you plant them and you let them grow... And then come March, any vineyard growers around here, anyone else grow them? But come March, you go to your grapevines and you, you, have what's the, you have the main vine. It's the hub right near the ground. And you cut off these branches that go all over the place and grow out. And the branches are what produce fruit. But in, the, in, the, in March, to get ready for the next season, you cut all the branches off and you start all over again. And... Uh, Oh, okay. I, I lost my train of thought there. I do that. I'm 66 now, and I have a lot of white hair, so that happens from time to time, okay? I know you don't understand, but you, you'll get there one of these days. So, you know, uh, but the, 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 there's a purpose for a vine, you know? Uh, there's really, there's one main purpose. And, and the purpose of a vine, uh, of a grapevine is to grow branches and for those branches to produce fruit. I mean, that's the purpose. That's what it's all about. I'm going to knock this thing off. I can see it. Okay. Uh, uh, and that's what it's all about. It, it, it's the purpose. You know, God made everything with a purpose. When, you know, I, I love going through Genesis and watching Adam name this and name that and name this and name that. But, you know, everything has a name, but everything has a purpose. Our God doesn't make anything, uh, uh, you know, by accident. Everything has a purpose. And a, a grapevine's purpose is one thing, and that's to produce fruit. But, you know, you and I, we have a purpose also. And we can, we can, we can talk about that purpose in different ways. We can say our, our, our purpose is to give honor and glory to God. 
The greatest commandment of all, uh, Jesus said, is love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy strength and might. And to love thy neighbor as thyself. That's purpose. But you know, one of the things that God has... There it goes again. Can, can we just hook this one up and I'll stay behind it? All right? I'm, I'm selling this if anyone would like to buy it. <laughs> it ain't worth much. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just not one of those techie guys. And so we have a purpose. But you know, here Jesus defines our purpose in a new, another way. And he says this. He says our purpose is also to produce fruit. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. Some of you got that one down. And that's where... Jesus speaks about the fruit of the Spirit. And, and, and the fruit of the Spirit. Now, now when, when the Word of God talks to us about producing fruit, it's speaking about producing qualities and virtues within ourselves. That's fruit. It's growing in character and quality. That's the fruit. And in, in, in Galatians 5 uh, uh, and, and verse 22, he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, joy... I'll get the rest. Give me a minute. All right. Faith, gentleness, uh, gentleness, goodness, meekness, and temperance. And so when the Lord looks at us and speaks to us about producing fruit, he's talking about growing from within, growing in character. You know, the wonderful thing about Christianity and and something I learned as as I matured in my Christian life and I'm not that mature, but I did mature a little from the time 35 years ago. And, 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 but what I've learned in, in my maturity is that the Christian life is not all about rules and regulations. I came up in the, in the fundamental, independent Baptist fundamental church. I mean, it was so fundamental. You know, if you turned this way, you could only do it two degrees. And if you turned that way, it was three degrees. And you couldn't go to movies, couldn't go to do, couldn't, 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 couldn't. And I had just come out of the drug culture, and I kind of needed the, 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 you can't do this stuff. Because the can't do you, this stuff got my head straight so I could start to really listen and understand what God's doing. And, and uh, there I go again. I just lost. Does anyone know what I was saying just then? <laughs> Oh, my goodness, you're laughing, but I'm half serious, too. <laughs> All right. I think you're scaring me. I've never preached to a crowd this big before, you know. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the wonderful thing is, as I grew in my Christian life, I came to realize that, yeah, there are a lot of things Matt Chard probably shouldn't do because they really aren't the best thing for me to do because they're probably going to lead me down the wrong path. But the reality is, as I, as I was reading my Bible and praying on a regular basis, I started realizing that I'm not doing the changes. And I was changing. I want to tell you, I came from a really rough background. And I was changing and changing. And, and, and God was doing a work in my life. But I realized it wasn't the stuff I was not doing that was making the difference inside. I realized that through reading the Word of God and praying on a daily basis... That God is the one that starts to do the work in us. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He says, I am the vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. But every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. Now, when you have a grape arbor growing, you go around every now and then and you cut off the branches that that aren't going to produce. 
Uh, they're just, I forget the word. Uh, I'll tell you in a minute when I remember it. But uh, they're suckers is what they are. That's what they are. We call them suckers. You just cut the suckers off, and then the main branches will, will actually produce the fruit. And so we go around and we purge the grape vines. Jesus gives a whole parable about uh, 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 the Lord calls and brings a bunch of people to work in his vineyard. They were going into the vineyard to do some purging. So, And the reason for the purge is that we bring forth more fruit. Boy, I, I'll tell you something. It, it, it's like the word chastisement in our lives. We know that word quite well. If you've been in a Bible church for a while, we know that God chastises us sometimes. And it's always for one reason. It's for our purpose, that God will receive more glory and that we will grow in turn. And, and, and God, here the Lord says, if we do produce fruit, he'll purge us. I've been purged a lot of times as a young Christian. As I was going along and God was getting, ready, getting me ready to uh, uh, be a pastor and to preach, I had a lot of purging to do. And I didn't like a lot of it. And some of it was really painful. Some of it was really hard. And I remember a few times walking out in my prayer time, talking to the Lord as a young pastor, believe it or not, saying, if this is what the Christian life is all about, I'm not sure if I'm really in. The purging can be tough sometimes. But God knows that the purging, when God corrects us, when God does things in our life, It's all about trying to get those vines to grow fuller and more complete so that we can produce a whole bunch of fruit. Now, Jesus says in verse 3, he says, you're clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. And it's interesting as we look at these verses that he throws that in there. You're clean through the word that I've spoken to you. He puts it there for a reason because He's about to get real serious with us about something. And he wants us to understand something. My friend, there's no excuses. When it comes to living the life that God's called us to live, we can make every excuse in the world that we want. But the reality is this. There are no excuses. Some people say, well, I, I, you know, we'll stand before Jesus one day and say, well, Jesus, you don't understand. My mother beat me when I was a kid, or you don't understand. My husband was this, or my kids were that. Listen, there are no, Jesus clears the excuses up. The word of God is quick and powerful. It's life-giving. And, 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 and uh, there, Jesus just clears it up. He tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, That by the word of God, we're sanctified by the washing of water, by the word of God. And Jesus says, you're clean through my word. He dies on the cross and sheds his blood. And and as you open your heart and receive Jesus Christ as your savior, your sins are cleansed from you. As a matter of fact, they're put as far as the east is from the west. And so Jesus looks at us and he says, all right, now look, let's get a, I'm going to, I'm going to get into the meat of it, but let me understand. I want you to understand something. No excuses because you have the word of God. And I know sometimes we carry sin in our lives that it's not big sin. It's not out of line. It's not, it's not, it wouldn't get you kicked out of the church. They wouldn't bring you before, you know, the deacon board. But the reality is sometimes there's sin in our lives that we, we rationale and we leave it there. And the Lord says, through my word, you can be clean. And we, the people of the United States, have the word of God in our hands. I imagine in every household represented this morning, there's two or three Bibles in every house. The word of God is readily available all over the place. And God says, you have the word of God. 
There are no excuses. Now let's get into the meat of things. In verse 4, he says this. He says, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except you abide in the vine, no more can ye except you abide in me. It's a great verse. What does it mean to abide in Christ? I'm going to give you the simple version, but we could expand it. It has a lot more to it, but I think for the average Christian, if we could grab a hold of this one principle, it would transform our lives, it would transform our churches, it would transform our families. I think the, the, the simplest and best way to learn to abide in Christ is to get up in the morning and put him first and spend time reading the word of God. Don't just get up late, run off to work, get up and spend time reading the Bible. And then after you read, pray. You know, I've, I, I, I work at the mission. I also am a church starter. I've worked with a lot of inner city people. And I've watched lives change immensely. And one of the greatest times of change in people's lives is when they sit down with me and I counsel them and say, Look, if you will get up and read the Word of God for half an hour every day, and if you'll pray for a half an hour every day, and you do it every day, one month, don't miss one day, seven days a week, before church, uh, early in the morning, before you go to work, sit down, read the Word of God. And pray. I say, you'll be a different person. Now, I've counseled that, I've given that counsel to hundreds of people. And anyone that's ever taken that counsel has, has come back after that period of time saying, you're right. Spending time abiding with God in the Bible, abiding with God in prayer, clears your head. It, it, it brings joy. It, peace takes over. Uh, uh, the fruit of the Spirit actually starts to manifest itself in our lives when we learn to abide in Christ. My dear friends, I want you to know something. I understand. I've read this book over 60, ta- 60 times, cover to cover, and I understand there's a lot of meat in here and there's a lot of stuff that we ought to know. But I'll tell you something. The most important thing you can do in your entire life is spend time on a daily basis reading the Word of God. First thing in the morning. It takes adjustment. I used to be one of those guys that would stay up till 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. You know, the alarm would go off. I'd have 15 minutes to be at work. I'd throw my clothes on, wash my face, and off I'd go. But, you know, I had to adjust my life. Because the reality is I wanted peace. I wanted this joy that the pastor spoke about. I, 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 wanted, I wanted to be different. I wanted to, you know, just be able to really live comfortably. And I started, and I started reading the Word of God on a daily basis. And and again, I changed my life. I started going to bed earlier and earlier and earlier. Today, I go to bed at 8 o'clock and get out of bed at 4 o'clock in the morning. I have a new addiction. My addiction is the Word of God. I just get up, and I read it every single morning, and I pray every single morning. I I wouldn't stand here in front of you this morning if I hadn't spent an hour in the Word of God. I wouldn't do it. I don't think I could do it. But the reality is, Jesus says, abide in me. Verse 3, we're not even going to get to verse 6 if I keep this up. He says in verse 4, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself. You know, some people people are just stuck on the way they are and they're always going to be like that. And that's fine. That's your choice in life. Life's all about choices. But the reality is this, if there's going to be real change in your life, 
if there's going to be that joy that we hear about in Christianity, if there's going to be peace, if you're, if you're going to learn to be loving and gentle and kind and have that as your number one source, the, the number one uh, virtue in your life, the reality is this, you can't do it apart from God. You, you'll never do it. He said, he said, uh, uh, he, he said, as the branch, and that's you and I, we're the branch, cannot bear fruit of itself except it abideth in the vine. You say, well, I, I don't know about you, but I invited Jesus in my heart 13 years ago. You're like, you know, sometimes I think Christians are like that guy. Uh, 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 a woman goes to the pastor and says, you've got to counsel me and my husband. I don't think he loves me anymore. And they come into the counseling session and, and, uh, and, and the pastor looks at the husband and says, says uh, uh, your wife says you, you, you don't tell her that you love her anymore. He says, listen, I told her at the, at, at the altar and if anything changes, I'll let her know. You know? <laughs> And some of us as Christians were like that. Well, we invited Jesus in our heart and we go to church, and, but Jesus isn't talking. He wants more than that. He wants us to abide. I was married when I was 23 years of age and I was very immature. I, I was also using so many drugs. I, I wasn't even mature. Mature wasn't even part of, part of my life. And, and you know, we were married and... and I didn't change my life at all once I got married. I hung out with the same friends. I was self-employed at the time. I, I, I just work, 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 work. We had a baby. I thought everyone should have a baby once you get married. You ought to have a baby. Anyone getting married, get a baby. All right. And, and, you know, but after a little while, my marriage started falling apart. And after a little while, my wife went and got divorce papers, and I got divorce papers, and we were ready to, we were ready to go right before the judge. I mean, my paperwork was done, her paperwork was done, and we're about to go see the judge, and Jesus got in the way. Hallelujah. I got saved, and then my wife got saved, and we fell in love with each other all over again. But here's the problem with our marriage. I wasn't abiding. I wasn't spending any time with my wife. And my dear friends... Jesus is looking at us and saying, if you want to see what I got to offer, if you want that peace and that joy and that love, if you want something different in your life, you're going to have to spend some time with me. And, you know, with all and who he is, who else would be better to spend time with? The reality is we should all be able to say, I spend more time with Jesus than any one person on the planet. On a daily basis, the word of God, he says, he says, will not produce fruit unless we abide. And a marriage won't work unless you put some time into the marriage. Verse 5, let's keep going. He says, now he goes on, he says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And again, he's saying, if you abide in me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you grow. I'm going to make you different. I'm... I, I'm going to bring you into the purpose I created you for. He said, you just have to abide with me, but he says it again. He says, without me, you can't do it. It's not knowing his name. It's not having a Bible at home. And it's not simply saying, I got Jesus in my heart. It's actively spending time. Well, I I got married. She's my wife. It's actively spending time. Verse 6, if a man... And this is, you know, in verse 
2, Jesus says the same thing. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And we're not dealing with an eternal security issue here. He's talking about putting us aside. He says, if a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. He's talking about how useless and how worthless we are to him if we choose not to spend time with him on a regular basis. He puts us aside. You know, there, Jesus speaks about this putting aside in two other places in Scripture. In, let's see where it is. The sower and the seed in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 12. Jesus speaks about, you know, sowing here, sowing there. And finally, the seed falls on the good ground. And some, some seed brings forth a hundred uh, percent fruit, and some 60 percent fruit, and some 30 percent fruit. And then after that, he makes a statement, and, and he says this. He says, I give to those that have, and I take from those that don't have. You have to read it a few times, but here Jesus says the same thing. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, I take away. There's another place in the Bible you're probably familiar with it. It's a story of the talents. The Lord's going on a journey. He calls his servants forth. He gives one guy ten talents, another guy five talents, and another guy one talent. And he says, guys, let me see what you can do while the boss is gone. And he comes back, and uh, the guy that had five talents says, hey, Lord, look at this. I got ten talents. I doubled the thing. And the Lord said, well done, thou good and worthy servant. He goes to the guy that got the five talents, and he says the same thing. He says, I, you didn't give me as much as you gave Billy, but you gave me five. Or he had ten, he made twenty. You gave me five, and I got ten. And the Lord says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And the, guy, the other guy bows his head. There's no, remember, there's no excuses. But he bows his head, and he says, Lord, he says, I know you. Man, if I lost that penny you gave, that dollar you gave me, you would beat the snot out of me. I didn't do nothing with it. Nothing. You know what Jesus said? He said, take the guy away. And then he repeats the statement. I give to those that have, and I take from those that don't have. How many times have we heard statements about men, like Pastor Don Lyons? Now, you guys may know some of the other sides of Pastor Lyons, but to me, he's just like this walking man of God, and every time I get to shake his hand, I'm honored. You know, he's just, I just, I love Don, and he's such a, he's just such a blessing. And people look at a guy like Don Lyons and say, hey, or or Perry Jones, hey, boy, God must love him. He must be special, you know. I wonder why God does that in, in his life, and he doesn't do it in my life. I'll tell you why. Because he's abiding in Christ, and you weren't interested. And God gives to those that have. And he takes from those that aren't interested. And the taking comes in multiple ways, doesn't it? I've been there. He takes from those that have. 
Verse 6, and we'll close with this. If a man abide in me, I'm, he is, I'm sorry, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withered, da-da-da-da. Verse 7, I got mixed up again. It's the gray hair. I don't know. I think the gray hair did it to me when I got gray hair. Verse 7, he says, if ye abide in me, and watch what he says next, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Now, if you look at that, you come to grips with something, is that Jesus, who oftentimes said, if you really believe, and by the way, belief comes from God, he's the one that gives it, but here he says, if you abide in me and you produce fruit, he says, it, that is going to be the key to your future prayer life. He said, you can ask anything. And I'll take care of it for you. Why? Because we're right in the heart of God. We're like the child. I have six boys. My oldest is 43. My youngest is 20. And don't ask about that, okay? It got weird along the way. You know? So, but, uh, I'm just, you know, my oldest son, he's achieved so much in his 40 years. He was my assistant pastor for 10 years, and then he went into work for New York State. I'm so proud of him. I mean, Dad, you know, I'm I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I just want you to know, I'm proud of him. Luke comes to me and asks me anything. Man, I, I wouldn't think twice about giving Luke anything. We had a kid that just graduated from college. Matt had been sick from fourth grade to eighth grade, lost four years of schooling. And and, uh, uh, boy, was he sick. I can't even tell you. And and then he got back into school and he went through the SUNY system and and just graduated uh, in in, uh, law enforcement. I can't think of the, the title. But he just graduated. I want to tell you something. After what Matt went through, we're so proud of that kid. Man, it is just so exciting. And and that's what God's saying. He's saying, if a man abide, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you're special to me. He died for us all and he loves us all. But I want to tell you something. You start abiding in Christ and you're going to recognize and know something that God is doing something in you that he didn't do prior to the time that you learned to abide in him. Verse 8, he says, herein is my father glorified. I'm stealing a little because it only said I'd preach to verse 6. But if you don't mind, I'm going to touch on one more. Herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. When we bear fruit, again, it comes back to that thing. I'm so proud of my sons. And some of you, you know what I'm talking about. You're so proud of your daughter. You're so proud of your your children. Man, they've just done so well. That's what it means to glorify the Father. And Jesus, when when we abide with him and spend time with him, he's so proud of us. We're We're just that kid that he'd do anything for. And that's what he says. Abide with me, I'll do anything for you. I'll be with you. You, I'll just stay with you all the time. Don't worry about nothing. I got your back. It's also the best way to remember Jesus. Because if you abide in him every day, you're not going to forget him, are you? How many days this week went by? No show of hands, please. But you didn't think of Jesus once this week. I'll tell you, that can all change. Get up in the morning. Adjust your life. Start reading the word of God. Start praying early in the morning. 
You young people in the room just starting, that, starting your life, start it. Get the routine down. It will transform your future. How do we, you know, it's Memorial Day weekend. Yes, we'll remember our soldiers. Yes, I shed tears this morning for my buddy Troy. Yeah, we'll remember those that we lost and those that have been lost in battle. But let's not forget what Memorial Day is really about. Fallen Jesus and risen Jesus. And he wants to be remembered too. Amen? All right, now I can go another hour, but it's been 30 minutes. All right, all right, we'll pray. All right, so I... Body language in here is amazing. <laughs> Father, thank you so much for meeting with us this morning. What a wonderful joy it is to look into your word and, and to have such receptive ears. Now, Holy Spirit of God, as we've spoken this morning about abiding, I know for certain there's some in this room that are just sitting there saying, I ought to just do that. And I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you'll empower them to do just that. Start reading daily. Start praying daily. First thing in the morning. Father, we thank you. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I've never opened my heart and invited Jesus Christ into my heart. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I want you to know something. I sat in a church service much like this. A young hippie, drugs, a mess. And God, the invitation came and the pastor said, you know, if you open your heart to Jesus... He'll come in, give you eternal life, and he'll transform your life. I looked at Jesus with my head bowed. I wouldn't walk the aisle with everybody else that morning. I bowed my head, and I said, I'm going to give you one chance, Jesus. You mess up on this one. I'm not coming back and doing it again. I want you to come into my heart and save me and give me what that preacher told me I could have. But I'm not doing it again. I want to tell you something from that simple, simple prayer. Jesus Christ came in and transformed a life that was headed in the wrong direction. And it's not a perfect life, but it's a life that I believe that, that I'm closer to my purpose in life today than I've ever been as a result of what Jesus Christ has done in my life. Jesus, come into my heart. That's the prayer. Sincerity is what needs to be with it. Really sincere. He'll come in if you so choose. God bless you.